Support for Connecticut East This Week comes from Thames at Mitchell College, a holistic on-campus program that helps high school graduates prepare for college through personal transformation. Go to mitchell.edu slash Thames to learn more. Day Kimball Health, nationally recognized by LeapFrog, Beckers and the American Heart Association. Day Kimball Health, healthcare in motion. Learn more at daykimball.org. And Eastcon, for high school completion, English language instruction and employment and job training services. Go to eastcon.org slash get started today. Eastcon, you've got this. Moving up and moving forward. We talked to the president of Mitchell College in New London about her tenure to date and how the college is improving and moving up the education ladder. Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott-Smith. Enrollment in schools and colleges in Connecticut and the nation are tumbling, leaving these places of education to rethink what they offer, to whom, and how best to re-engage with students and parents. Mitchell College in New London is one such college, and before the pandemic was looking at ways to reinvent itself and its appeal and raise its financial sustainability. The college had a change in leadership in 2020, just as the COVID pandemic was getting started. And I sat down back then with the new president, Dr. Tracy Espy, to talk about her new role and the challenges she and the college were facing. Now, as the pandemic slips away, I went back to Mitchell College for a catch-up to see where they are now and how they weathered the pandemic storm. And for the sake of complete transparency, we should add that Mitchell College has just recently become an advertising supporter of this podcast. Joining us on the podcast for the second time, three years after we first met you, is Dr. Tracy Espy, the eighth president of Mitchell College in New London. President Espy, it's good to have you back. I'm sorry, it's been three years. I know. I'm so glad to be back. I, I say all the time that you were the first brave person to come to Mitchell in the heat of the pandemic. Yes, I remember. We were sat very much apart. In fact, we're sat a lot closer this time, probably only about six foot apart this time. But I think last time I was sat over one side of the room and you sat over the other. We had masks. <laughs> and, the, you know, all that good That's stuff. That's right. We sure did. Just I'm ma- glad to have you back. Just making sure that we were being good uh, good people with that, so like distancing. As I said, great to have you back on the podcast. Lots to talk about. But just give us a sense. Like I said, it's three years since we spoke to you. And then when we did speak to you, you'd only been site president for about 14 weeks at that point, if I recall, having listened to the interview, because I think you hadn't actually been, because it was October of 2020. Right. And I came in July. Yeah. You hadn't been president that long. Tell us, how is it, you know, so like all this time now, we're at the beginning of 2024. How's Mitchell College? How is President Espy? Well, I think President Espy is doing well. I think to have been in this business for, or at least been at Mitchell for the last three plus years, it's made me more committed to our mission and the students that we serve and to our community. So in that respect, it's great. And then it's also learning about our students post-pandemic and what they need and how the institution is morphing and shifting to meet those needs needs, as well as our employees, too. So I think on this side of the pandemic, we've certainly learned a lot and know a lot more about what's important. And I think one of the things that I talk 
about probably every day is about well-being and the importance of that in a post-pandemic world. We don't want to dwell on the pandemic too much because there's lots of other things to talk about. But of course, it was a big thing in all of our lives, of course, and the, and the world as well. It took over everything. How did it really affect you? Because, I mean, you came in and then there it was. And it's like for any organization, the challenges must have been immense because it wasn't a case of you had time to think about it. You had True. to act straight away. It was a case of, right, this needs to be done now. I mean, that's a really great question, Brian. I think looking back, it's hard to believe that we moved so quickly. I was brand new to the community and brand new to this college specifically and to our team. So I have to give a lot of credit to the folks that were here prior to my coming and knew a lot more about Mitchell than I knew at that time. And so together, we agreed that the best option for us was to go ahead and try and open the college and also provide online for those people who may not have been comfortable with coming back. So in that sense, we moved ahead. And it's a good thing that we had no idea what really was going to happen in the pandemic. And so we morphed ahead. And, you know, Mitchell is known for resiliency and adaptability. And we just sort of put those byproducts of the college into play and moved on. And on this side of the time, we are just building forward, right? Making sure that students have the resources that they need to be successful, that faculty and all of our other staff have the resources that they need to be successful. Because I think what we've learned is that there are a lot of ways to think about supporting people beyond that pandemic period. And I don't know what you hear out in the world, but we hear a lot about the need for more support, the need for respite, the need for a focus on wellness and well-being. And so we're really doing our best to integrate those things into the organization to support everyone. I'm going to take you back as well again, because when I spoke to you three years ago, Mitchell was in a little bit of a lull. Forbes had put down its financial suitability as a grade D. That was 2019. Latest figures, 2023, you've been upgraded to a grade C, according to Forbes, which is great because your comment back then was, well, we got a grade D. So the only place we can go is up. That's still true. And that's exactly what you've done. Talk to us about that. Well, I mean, I really think that it's always about continuous improvement. I mean, you know, the college and our team, our entire team, we really work hard to develop a new strategic plan for a new world, really working on developing industry demand programs, making sure that we are raising the funds that we need to support our students for today and in the future. And so a C is decent, but that's not uh, exactly where we want to be. But I think it's headed in the right direction in that sense. We're going to get to all the positive stuff in a minute, but I just want to sort of like put this to you as well, because we would be remiss if we didn't mention this. You know, enrollment in colleges, not just here in Connecticut, but around the US is down. In fact, the latest college enrollment figures are that in the US, it's down seven and a half percent. In Connecticut, it's down nine percent. So we're actually higher than the national average. And then if you put in things like state community colleges, that figure jumps even bigger to 15% down in enrollments. Now, like I said, we're not trying to be like a negative Nelly here, but it is a fact of life. How do you deal with that? Because education is important. We need education. We need educational organizations like Mitchell College. How are you dealing with that? Once again, a great question. I think what we're definitely doing is making sure that we are having the programs that are industry demand and that are needed, not just in our region, but needed beyond 
in our region. And so bringing on those relevant majors, tweaking the majors that we have, and then really, I would say, aware and sensitive to what society and the world is telling us about what students need. And then I think we're also considering the fact that students may want a shorter amount of learning. So one of the things that we have been fortunate to start here is the hub, Mitchell Hub, which is a really providing access to post-secondary education, but providing certifications as well as professional opportunities for students to learn in a smaller amount of time. So you could come and do it online, actually, and get a certificate that prepares you to do perhaps Python. Or if you're someone that's interested in starting your own business, then we have a course online for you that allows you to do that. You can do it at your own pace or you can do it multiple different ways. So I think it's really being sensitive to the learning environment and needs that students have, and then also being able to pivot really quickly with bringing on certificate programs and those kinds of things that help students. One of the things I want to put to you as well is we've seen an increase in a lot of industry sectors, and certainly here in Connecticut, manufacturing is getting a really big push at the moment. And apprentice So, of course, you know, people go to work, get an apprenticeship, earn while they learn, which is great. Keep your talent here, educate them and create that workforce. But, of course, by doing that, it means that they're not necessarily going to colleges like Mitchell, etc. Because, hey, I don't need to pay all that money to go and get an education. So, again, how do you work with that? Is there a way that you can actually work with that? Because there is enough people here for everybody to get a little slice of the pie. But... Again, at the end of the day, you're a business and you're an educational business and you want to, you know, you want to get your larger slice of the pie, I'm guessing. I mean, it goes back to what I said a few moments ago about the flexibility of the the Mitchell Hub and it would allow for that. It does have some high level manufacturing in that portfolio that is ran by our digital innovation director. So we can do it that way. And I think offering people an opportunity to come to campus and participate in different workshops that we might have in that way. But, you know, look, I think education. Education, as we see it today, is a continuum. I think that people want to learn in the classroom. People want to learn outside of the classroom. People want a very short-term opportunity. One of the things that we've done that I'm really proud about is that we partner with high schools to offer dual enrollment. So a student that is in high school today that may not know exactly if they want to go to college, but they want to have sort of an experience of that, they can be enrolled in college and take a college course at the same time. And it really is all about the experience and the opportunity to determine where you want to go. So I think that might be one opportunity for people. You know, one of the things about Mitchell is that we're about possibilities, right? And we really believe in the sort of that individualized education, the customization of education. So if a student comes here and perhaps they may come for a year, or as I said earlier, they may want to do dual enrollment or they want to enroll in the Mitchell Hub, we do provide those different opportunities that can take them along many pathways. We've seen also here in the state just recently that the community college system has sort of effectively coalesced and become sort of just one college. Mm -hmm. I don't know what your thoughts are about that. I know there has been some criticism in the educational field about it. Just talk to us a little bit about that. I know it's separate to you. It's (laughs) it's not Mitchell College, but I'm just interested in your thoughts as an educator. Well, I don't think it's uncommon when you look out across all the states in America in terms of the consolidation of community colleges. I mean, certainly Connecticut is not the first state to do that. And I think as I understand it to be, and having been in meetings where the head of the Connecticut State College and University 
university system talked about that along with the head of the community college system. And it really was about providing more access, being more efficient, and also being able to serve students in a way that perhaps is more progressive. So I think in that way, if it's serving students and it's doing it in a more efficient way, I think it's a great opportunity. I mean, as you started off the conversation saying that community college enrollment is down. So I think in some ways, the team may have been forward thinking or in this region in in New England, we've known for a long time that they were seeing a greater uh, decrease in students attending college. So I think in my mind, not having been in Connecticut that long, there was probably a lot of foresight and thought about what it means to stay viable and to support as many students as possible in an efficient manner. So if it works for the state and it's helping to educate students, I think it's a good thing. Let's get to Mitchell College, obviously something that you're very proud of, obviously as the president. I love Mitchell. Absolutely. And I'm looking at a board and it says radically possible powerfully you. Talk to us about that because those are very, very powerful statements. Yeah, I really think it's about possibilities of an individual student where we want students to come in who they are, being unapologetically about that. And then through all of that, coming in as your own person, being able to help you, work with you or shepherd you to find your own voice. And I think it's people really want today. When you think about all of the things that are a part of our culture today that wasn't a part of probably our culture many years ago, Instagram, TikTok. I mean, so many things that students have access to where it's easy to compare yourself and want to fall in line with everybody else. And here we're saying, come, be who you are, learn about yourself, study yourself, and then let that prepare you for your future, whatever direction that means for you. When I last spoke to you, as I said, three years ago, you effused about the fact that Mitchell College is about educating and it doesn't matter what your educational abilities are, etc that, you know, this is what this college exists for so that you can come here, you can be involved in whatever you want and and looked after and, and you know, that's what the college exists for is to, to be there for you. Is that still the ethos of, of Mitchell College? Yeah, it's very much the ethos of Mitchell College. I mean, the college has been around for 85 years, but in that process of developing and growing as an institution, supports for students and how they learn became back in the 50s and still today is a very important part of the college's mission and really its DNA, that we really want to be an organization that supports students that learn in whatever way they need to learn. And that's a really big job to do. And I really applaud all of our team and the ways in which they support our students to do that. So I think the idea of our brand is really who we are, but really calling forth all of that in a way that's meaningful and speaks to the possibilities of every individual that steps on this campus. For those that haven't heard of Mitchell College, and I'm sure there are a few listeners that probably haven't, just give us a sense of some of the the real highlights of, of Mitchell College, you know, what it's about, some of the programs or courses that for you as an educational institution really you feel make you stand out, and, and this is why people should be coming here. Right. I think the thing that I was very impressed by Mitchell when I first learned about Mitchell in its entirety was really the level of support services that it provides for students. And we have this incredible learning center and the Benson Learning Center has been around for a while, but it has a a really incredible staff that works with students on learning strategies. They're not just tutoring them. That's not what they do, but they work with students to help them conceive ways in which they can best be prepared for class, best strategies that they can employ in terms of time management and just a 
range of different things that a particular center provides. And then we have advisors. One of the things I thought was very interesting about Mitchell, and I still think that today, is that every student has an advisor. And by any means necessary, and I would say in most cases, that student will have the same advisor from the day that they come on campus until the day that they graduate. And that just builds a lot of continuity and awareness about the student and the student needs. And then we also have professional tutors. When I was in college, I did a little bit of stint as a peer tutor. We don't necessarily have it in that way. We have folks that are knowledgeable in the subject matter and that are able to really work with our students and our faculty members at a high level. And I think one of the programs that I think is something that the college is very proud about, among many other things, is our Thames program. It's a transitional program for students that learn differently, and it really does a great job in in helping students build more social emotional skills. It helps with executive functioning, and it really also helps prepare students that may want to attend college. And we find that a lot of the students that participate in the Thames programs do attend college, but then others decide to go on to various careers that might be more in line with, like you mentioned earlier, manufacturing or more skills-based. But it really doesn't matter which pathway the student chooses. The Thames program really is a great starting point for students in their preparation for that. You've mentioned about, obviously, all of these resources which are there for the students. Let's talk about you. What sort of feedback do you get from either the professional staff or the students because that must be important to you I mean you know you can't take in everything no organization can but I'm sure there are certain aspects which you're like no I need to know about that and why isn't this working right or you know how can we make that change that's a really great question I think the thing that I hear a lot from our team is just making sure that we are supporting them in a way that allows them to do the work that they do I was reading an article and it's really about support and it really is about supporting people because because anybody that's been working in a service industry, an educational industry, medical, fill in the blank, during the pandemic, and I know we're not harping on the pandemic, there's some exhaustion that's come along with that. And so it's providing people the resources that they need to do their job in the best way possible, but then providing them with opportunities for wellness and refreshment so that they can continue to do the job. And so I really hear that a lot. And I really think it's important because we can only do as much as we can do. I think it's important that we as professionals serving others, make sure that we're taking care of ourselves in a way that we can do that. I always think about when you're flying and the flight attendant says, if we are having an altitude problem, you must first put on your mask and then assist the person next to you. And I think there's a lot that can be said about that because you can better serve someone else when you've taken care of yourself. We hear about burnout in other industries like, you know, the the medical and hospital industry. But to your point, it occurs everywhere. And and education is a tough gig. And I don't think people always appreciate that. So, you know, to hear that from you, that that is a key priority here at Mitchell is a good thing to hear. I'm going to put this to you. I'm going to throw this at you again. Three years ago when I interviewed you, I (laughs) asked... You the, I asked you the question, was education in, and being a president of a, you know, a college something that you thought about? And you said it wasn't until you got to, I think it was Albany, that you started doing some more teaching and stuff and, and things started to coalesce for you there. And that, yeah, and before then you hadn't really thought about, yeah, I'm going to be you know, the president of a college. What are your thoughts now? I mean, as you continue down your career as a successful president of you know, this amazing college in New London, how 
proud are you about what you've achieved and what it is that you probably still want to achieve now? Have those changed? Well, it's funny that you remember those questions. And that seems so long ago to hear you say that. I, I definitely think now, and I will probably say this for a long time, I think it's an incredible honor to serve and lead anything in any institution. I don't I don't take that lightly. I think now, and I I know I remember thinking back then is that the mission is what always calls me forth to what I do. And it really is the mission of Mitchell that excites me about getting up in the morning or staying late at night or walking across campus and talking to our amazing students or hearing a faculty member talk to me about something that they're doing in the classroom. It's what energizes me and calls me forth to this very important purpose that we have in serving students and serving the region here. So I guess... If I had to say, think about it, respond to that question, it's that, right? It's that it's it's the mission that makes it all worthwhile. And I think you know that. I mean, you, you think about your three plus years into this podcast and you're doing it and being very successful, but it's something about the experience that you have with people that make it worthwhile and make it a part of the purpose of what your life is. And so I think that's what's powerful about Mitchell. I mean, we've done a lot of great work and there's so many people that I could thank, but I you really don't have time. And there's so much more to do here. I mean, there's so much more to develop and tell about in the world. You know, we were going through the branding process. I remember thinking of a lot of things and saying to our branding team, which did a phenomenal job, is that Mitchell is really, in my mind, like a movement in a sense that we want college to be accessible for anyone. You know, we want people to come here and experience radical hospitality, no matter what you believe, who you love, what you think, how you dress. That's important. And I know sometimes Times when we are outside of the walls of higher education, or outside of the walls of what we believe are comfort for us and safety, people need that and they want that. They want to belong. They want to have a place that respects them for who they are as a human being and a life force in this society. And I think that's what in my mind, in my heart, I want Mitchell to call forth to people in society that may not have that and experience that, that this is a place that will welcome you and provide you that safe place to explore and dream and think about the many possibilities that the world holds for you and how we hold your hand every step of the way to get there. And I think that's what makes Mitchell so special. Well, Dr. Tracy Espy, president of Mitchell College, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again. We'll try not to leave it three years again next time. I know, time. Brian, I know. And whatever it is you and your team are doing, you are doing well. So congratulations on the continued success here at Mitchell College. And thank you for being on the podcast. And thank you so much for inviting me. I look forward to talking with you again. If you or someone you know is interested in enrolling at Mitchell College, then full details of their courses can be found at their website, mitchell.edu. Connecticut East this week is made possible by EastCon. Know someone who wants to learn English? Enroll today in one of EastCon's free English language learner programs offered virtually and in person. Learn English to get a better job, to access training or college, to help your children with school or to prepare for U.S. citizenship. Succeed from registration to graduation with flexible classes that suit your busy lifestyle. Visit eastcon.org slash get started today and take your first step towards a brighter future. EastCon, you've got this. 
and Thames at Mitchell College, a college transition programme on Mitchell's waterfront campus in New London. Mitchell offers a culture of radical possibilities where students with learning or processing differences can thrive, easing into college with supportive faculty and a strong social network. Within this tight-knit living and learning community, Thames students build executive functioning skills, earn college credit, learn strategies for independence and experience transformative growth. Learn more at mitchell.edu and it's time for the quiet corner to make some noise some day kimball health noise largest employer in our region kind of noise day kimball health serves more than 125,000 people offers cardiology orthopedics and oncology specialties it's having the region's only comprehensive and accredited breast center kind of noise we are nationally recognized by leapfrog beckers and the american heart association Day Kimball Health. Healthcare in motion. Time now for a look at other stories making the headlines this week. The 2024 Connecticut legislative session started on February 7th, and as usual, the governor delivered his State of the State address to a joint convention of the Connecticut General Assembly. Lamont spoke about the state budget and tax cuts for middle class and working families and essential workers, but he also cited a warning over the lack of affordable housing in the state and a growing population. One warning sign. We have too many people who cannot find a place to live. Either it's not available or it's not affordable. Our biennial budget doubles our investment in housing. That's workforce housing, affordable housing, supportive housing, elder housing, and downtown apartments. Look, most of our cities were much bigger 50 years ago. And what was once housing became parking lots and crumbling brownstones. Well, today, multifamily housing is being built on these empty parking lots in those half-empty office buildings. And old brownfields are being remediated into new communities where your child or your grandparent can afford to live. We're taking this model across the state and we'll be looking for input from our towns and cities. Where do you want the housing to be? What's the density? How far are you from public transportation in our schools? The state will be your partner in completing the financing ASAP to get those shovels in the ground. As the new offshore wind industry in Connecticut continues to grow, the state announced the official launch and formation of the Connecticut Wind Collaborative. Paul Lavoie is the state's chief manufacturing officer and chairperson of the new collaborative and said it's all part of helping to stand up a once-in-a-generation industry. The offshore wind industry is in its infancy. We have the pier that we've invested in to make sure that that's a heavy lift pier where we can marshal the offshore wind projects that we have. And we have this opportunity for us to make sure that we have the workforce here in Connecticut and also on a regional basis that we have the supply chain, that we have the research and development capabilities, and that we continue to max out our ports and our infrastructure across the state. Seed funding of $577,500 for the new nonprofit has come from energy companies Orsted and Eversource, who are both involved in offshore wind projects for Connecticut as well as Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Lavoie says the collaborative will look to build out supply chain and workforce for the new industry in Connecticut, as well as provide expertise and share resources with other states on the East Coast. As the offshore wind industry continues to grow with container ships coming over here, every part in that container can be made here. And so I think as you start to see the industry grow, it's going to be no longer economically viable to make it overseas and come here. The developers really looking here to how they can build out the offshore wind supply chain. When something breaks, it doesn't make sense to bring it over from overseas. It makes sense to make it here. The collaborative will be assisted by the Southeastern Connecticut 
Connecticut Enterprise Regional Sector based in Groton, who will provide office space for the new organization, as well as their local expertise on companies and businesses in the region who could become part of the new offshore wind supply chain. Yale New Haven Health cut the ribbon on a new retail pharmacy recently at their Lawrence and Memorial Hospital in New London, the first in southeastern Connecticut. The 1,700-square-foot facility is inside the main entrance of the hospital and is open to hospital patients and the local community. Rich Lisitano is the president of LM and Westerly Hospitals and a former Yale pharmacist and said you cannot underestimate the value of having a pharmacy inside the hospital. It's really critical to providing safe and effective patient care. And it's really important to have because it extends our reach into the community, both pre-hospital and post-hospital cares. Mike Passero is the mayor of New London and said he valued the partnership the city has with LM and welcomed the addition of the new in-hospital pharmacy. The statistics about the number of patients who did not follow through and fill those prescriptions when they were released from the hospital here were eye-opening for me. This initiative will really, I think, solve that problem. And I look forward to seeing the follow-up statistics after the pharmacy is operating for a while. According to medical surveys, anywhere between 25 to 50 percent of patients discharged from hospital never fill their prescriptions, meaning they are more likely to be readmitted as a result. Leanne Miller, vice president and chief pharmacy officer for Yale New Haven Health, said by having the pharmacy in the hospital, it not only gives patients easier access to the discharge drugs they need, but importantly for pharmacy technicians to help them. Access to information, access to our clinicians, access to our entire pharmacy team. So if there's a problem with the prescription, whether it's insurance or whether it's a dose, they have incredible access to that medical record to understand how to help that patient that is in front of them. The new pharmacy has cost Yale New Haven Health $1.5 million and will open in late March. The pharmacy will provide a full range of services, including immunizations and over-the-counter products and medications. It will be open seven days a week and provide in-hospital service to patients, as well as curbside delivery for those with mobility issues and free delivery services in the local community. That's all from us for this edition. Do send us your questions and story ideas to the show via our website at connecticut-east.com or Facebook or Twitter at Connecticut East and on Instagram at Connecticut East this week. And you can listen to the show again on our social platforms on demand and by asking your smart speaker to play Connecticut East this week podcast. And please like, follow and share on your social media too. I'm Brian Scott Smith. Thank you for listening.